Welcome to the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. My name is Natalie Nidham. I'm a nutritionist, a human potential, and epigenetic coach, and I created this podcast to bring you the latest ways to take control of your health and longevity. We cover it all, from new technology to ancestral health practices, personalized interventions, and a very special interest of mine, peptides. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, folks. Today's episode is with an interview with Ian Mitchell, who by any standards is, well, he's a super smart guy to begin with, but he's been described as a number of things, um, including a brilliant researcher, an inventor, and by some people as a mad scientist. I don't really buy into the whole mad thing. I mean, personally, I think he's just one of the most, well, he's one of the smartest and one of the most curious people I've ever come across. And I think that when you put really smart together with really curious, you get really, really good things starts to happen. And uh, we see this with Ian for sure. Ian um, is a research scientist by trade, but his breadth of knowledge and the the problems that the puzzles, as he calls them, that he's been able to solve, go everything from developing groundbreaking supplements for humans right through to developing concrete that sequesters carbon. And, you know, he says, oh, but nobody's ever going to use that. And I'm like, well, why? I mean, I think we need to be running around with that to all governments and saying, here's part of the solution, right? But anyway, that'll be another podcast. In today's podcast, we talk about Carbon 60. We talk about Neural Rx because Carbon 60 is the backbone, if you will, of this amazing brain supplement, which is about optimizing the brain, improving uh, BDNF. And he's actually had some really great success, even with people who've had some significant issues. As for people like us who are looking to optimize and improve our capacity, if you will, our baseline is already reasonably good. I find that I work really well when I'm using uh, when I'm using NeuralRx during the day. And um, I also really love using a supplement where benefits will build over time. And this is one of those supplements and we talk about it in the podcast. So let me not waste your time here and just leave you with our classic disclaimer, which is, of course, we're not treating, diagnosing. Everything in this podcast is really just about information, great information. So before you run out and buy anything or try anything new, make sure that you've checked with your doctor or your medical provider. Make sure it's not going to interfere with anything else that you might already be using. Beyond that, if you get value from this podcast, you know the drill, please share it out. Leave us a review. Those reviews are so important to get us up the rankings. And if you have any comments or questions or anything at all, and you want to reach out to me, you can find me on Facebook in the Optimizing Superhuman Performance Group. Or if you're not a Facebook person, I have a holding group on MeWe called Biohacking Superhuman Performance. I'm not there that often, but it's definitely there. But for sure, make sure that you go to my website, which is natnidham.com, and you can join my email list there. I'm not emailing anything about any anybody about anything these days. I am going to start a newsletter in the next little while. I've also got a lot of things coming down the pipes. I've got a couple of courses. I'm working on a bunch of different projects. So if you want to stay up to date with what's going on with me, then for sure, go to natnidham.com, send me your email. And if you have any comments or questions, that's the way to send them. And I love comments and questions. I love when people reach out to me. All of this, all of the communication I get from you guys is really what keeps me going and tells me what you like and what you don't like and all that kind of stuff. If you're looking for me on Instagram, Natalie Nidham. 
If you're looking at me on YouTube, I will post this. If you're listening to this, I also post the videos on YouTube, just my name, Natalie Nidham. And that's it. That's all I've got for you guys. Oh, how do you get Neural RX? Right. You go to wizardsciences.com because, of course, what else would you call this company? Wizardsciences.com. And you can get 10% off if you use promo code BIONAT10. So BIO, B I O, NAT, N A T, 10. All right. So thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you guys. And let me know what you think of the episode when you're done with it. Hey folks, before we launch into the episode, just one thing, we have a sponsor, drinkhrw.com. This sponsor is all about the magic of molecular hydrogen, and they make the most incredible molecular hydrogen products. They make molecular hydrogen tablets that you can easily just drop into your water every morning as you start your day. They actually even have flavored ones in raspberry flavor, if that's your jam. I like mine uh, plain with a squeeze of lemon, but I also love the raspberry. They even have tablets that you can drop into your bathtub to soak to get a whole body treatment of molecular hydrogen and tablets you can drop into a bowl of water and apply to your face. And so you might be sitting there wondering, so big deal, why would I drink hydrogen? I mean, hydrogen is the smallest molecule on the periodic table. Who cares about hydrogen? Well, let me tell you, you care about hydrogen. A lot about what we talk about in this podcast is about health span and lifespan. It's about aging well. It's about longevity. It's about managing your body system so that you can look, feel, and perform your best. And molecular hydrogen delivers on these points like nothing else does. Think about this. Molecular hydrogen actually combats oxidative stress as well as supporting a healthy inflammatory response. Now we know that inflammation is at the root of virtually every major disease out there. We also know that it makes us basically age faster. So I would qualify molecular hydrogen as a preventative aging supplement. And it is one of the easiest, healthiest, best out there with zero negative side effects. It indirectly mitigates the damages of those three issues that ultimately lead the way in virtually any disease state and fundamentally are the driving forces in why we age. We're talking imbalances in oxidative stress, in inflammation, and as well as increased insulin resistance. So you don't really have to take my word for it, guys. You can go to the drinkhrw.com website, and I'm going to tell you that it is one of the most incredible repositories of research and articles all about molecular hydrogen. And you know what I love about this company is they don't just run around telling you how great molecular hydrogen is. They don't just cherry pick the best research articles. They're full on, flat out, pretty honest about this article, this clinical trial. Well, it didn't show us much yet. Here are the flaws in it, or here's what we think. It's an incredible resource, but I can tell you that Whatever it is that you're dealing with, there's probably a clinical trial going on somewhere looking at whether or not molecular hydrogen can be helpful. And I will tell you that in my practice, I've seen it be helpful to all kinds of people, people who are suffering from joint pain because molecular hydrogen is able to target inflammation, because it's able to support a healthy inflammatory response in the body, and it also promotes antioxidant and oxidative balance. 
You guys, you don't want to just be taking antioxidants by the handful. You want something on board that's going to help to keep you in balance to not too high, not too low, just keep you in that Goldilocks state. So like I said, I have clients who were blown away about how effective this molecular hydrogen, taking it every day, sometimes soaking an injured joint in molecular hydrogen water, what a difference it made in their mobility and in their ability to recover from their injuries and even also, of course, from workouts. So you're going to be hearing me talk a lot more about molecular hydrogen in the future. This is just the tip of the iceberg. I encourage you to go to drinkhrw.com forward slash superhuman, and you can use promo code longevity10, and that will get you 10% off everything that you purchase. And you can try molecular hydrogen for yourself. And by all means, reach out to me and let me know how you liked your molecular hydrogen experience. And by all means as well, please, please, please check out their website. It is one of the most incredible resources that I've seen for molecular hydrogen research. So thanks for being here today, guys. Enjoy the episode. Hey folks, just a little bit of housekeeping before we launch into the episode. Please remember that all of the information provided in these podcasts is for information purposes only. We are never offering treatments, cures, whatever, for any kind of disease or medical condition. Anything you hear about here is going to be intriguing. There's some research around it, but make sure that you check with your medical provider before you go off and do any of this stuff for yourself. All right. So enjoy the episode. And also, if you're looking to connect with me for any reason, with your comments, questions, whatever it may be, you can reach me through my website, which is natnidham.com, or you can find me on Facebook in the Optimizing Superhuman Performance Group or on MeWe in the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Group. And of course, you can also follow me on Instagram, which is at Natalie Nidham. Natalie is with an H between the T and the A, the second A. So thank you so much for being here. Appreciate you guys. Enjoy the episode. Good afternoon, Ian Mitchell. It is so good to see you again. Likewise, glad to be here. Yeah, well, we recorded this once before, only we were having connection problems. So I decided we were going to have to re-record. And then you said, well, it works out just fine because I have more stuff to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the yeah, the never-ending stream of uh, development in R&D. Yeah. I know. And, you know, this is the reason why guests like I and Mitchell, you end up bringing back because it's not like you create something and then just sit there. You've always, I don't know how many projects you have on the go at any given minute, but I'm sure it's several. <laughs> yeah, it's it's actually the thing that kind of keeps me engaged is it's sort of my core passion about, you know, it really helping, right? That's that's it. And whatever whatever variety that takes on, you know, whatever flavor it is, but I, I get to play with things in physics and quantum physics and chemistry, biochemistry, material science. It's, yeah, it's great. Like the biggies right now are, I've got my wizard sciences stuff, which is kind of neural upregulation. Then I've got uh, on the physical side, I've got biocharged, which is ozonated oils. Then I have a carbon negative concrete. Uh, that's pretty fantastic. <laughs> which is not a biohacking tool, by the way. Yeah. It's uh, it's biohacking yeah, I use for the it planet. To myself in a pool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's biohacking for the planet, which the planet sorely right. needs at the moment. Yeah, and then um, and then. For- Propulsion systems. Actually, I've got some gamma gamma shielding and ionic drive systems because personally, I, I think strapping yourself to a giant bottle rocket is a very silly, old school, you know, Werner von Braun, hundred plus year old tech sort of 
sort of approach that I really don't think is terribly well thought through. So yeah, so I figured I'd put my money where my mouth is and uh, and actually invest in developing a bunch of those technologies. So that's what I've been doing. Okay, well, on that on on that note, why don't you explain to the audience very quickly because we're keeping this one short. Sure. But why yeah. don't we just give people like the the super super short? Who is Ian Mitchell, and why is he doing things with concrete and then mixing stuff up for my brain and then making this oil that's going to clean up my bloodstream? And we're not even going to talk about the hair stuff today. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, okay. So I, I studied chemistry. I studied music. Those were my actually ac legitimate academic pursuits. Um, they, and they sound kind of disparate, but to me, they, they were the same thing because basically it's, it's sort of recombinant systems of frequencies. Yeah. Right? yeah, no, and totally so my, my, yeah and my approach to uh, chemistry is a little different because, you know, like Mendeleev's periodic table is a little wackadoo if you ask me, because it's kind of like grouping things by color instead of grouping things by actual position and how they function. And it's close, but it gets off. Um, the, the periodic table I actually uses Walter Russell was this guy around the turn of the last century who developed one and it was spot on. And it's all about resonance and harmonics and how things interact tonally. And so, you that know, when you look at the, yeah, when you look at the two things, you, you're able to do a lot more with it if you fundamentally understand how it's going to interact. Not to say that you know, normal chemistry or biochemistry dealing with, you know, ligand like interaction, all that stuff, it, it happens, sure. But yeah. it's kind of, is it really the, the, the base of the causal structure, right? I, and I always quote Thoreau, you know, for, for every thousand hacking at the branches of evil, there's one hacking at the root. You want to be the cat hacking at the root of things, right? Yeah. right? Figure out what's really going on and address it. And, and this is one of the approaches that you take, right? Like bioregulators. Yeah. And we've had this discussion offline is I think they're, incredibly impactful because they provide your body the signal to do what your body is supposed to do. Right. Yes. And it goes all the way down, back down to, you know, nucleotides and starts modulating expression epigenetically at the nucleotide level. And that's, that's a big ass deal. I mean, that makes a dent. And a lot of the compounds like th that I play with, you know, are nanoscopic sorts of stuff like carbon 60. Those elicit a big response. Um, ozone. Ozone gets a huge response because it's the third most reactive molecular species. So when I, I, I try and play with things that are going to actually provide enough leverage to do something. And all of the disparate things, when I opened my lab, I, I wrote down six things on the board, just kind of stream of consciousness that my goal was, um, what can I do to leave this place better than it was when I showed up? And the, the six things that I wanted to knock out were aging, cancer, clean water, global warming, um, superluminal travel, and, um, oh, there's, there's one other in there, I'm sure. It'll, it'll pop up in my head, but, but they're, they were, they, they were just, just little goals, guys, you know, kind of yeah. like, I'd like to grow marigolds in my garden this year, <laughs> and also I'd like to learn how to cook rice. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, the, I, and I read the other was, the other was energy systems, and, oh, and they go. all, yeah, well, <laughs> Interestingly, it was funny because it was kind of a stream of consciousness in that order. But as it turned out, when I started looking at aging and biological degradation, right, the thing that was the most impactful then led me to be able to figure out how to stop the metastatic spread of cancer, right, which sounds like a big yeah, claim. Well, no, but, you know, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, you know, you have to just fundamentally look at the systems, but one led to the other, which led to the next. And, and so I kind of had to unlock the puzzle sequentially. And so, you know, who, who knew stream of consciousness seems to work. Um, so, so that's kind of, that's me. I'm just a, you know, a guy who's very 
overly curious, trying to solve lots of puzzles. And some of them, like the carbon negative concrete, that'll make a huge dent. Not that it's going to go, you know, become something that's totally ubiquitous and everybody and their brother uses it. But if they did, overnight, it would eliminate 13 gigatons of CO2 in the atmosphere, literally annually. Well, you know, yeah, in my previous one of my previous careers, I worked for an organization called Evergreen in in Toronto, and Mm -hmm. they were all about livable cities. Yeah. And we hosted a conference once um, that was all about how technologically can we advance cities? So to to address these issues of climate change and whatnot. And I don't know if they talked about the concept of carbon neutral concrete, but they were talking about uh, building highways with a concrete that would transfer energy that would power lights on the side of the road so that you wouldn't have to have light standards. Like these ideas of taking a building material that is ubiquitous on the planet Mm -hmm. and, and basically harnessing it somehow so that it is doing something kind of like a tree, right? A tree takes water, produces carbon dioxide, or oxygen, yeah. sorry, takes carbon dioxide. So what you're doing is saying, okay, we're kind of running out of trees. We've got a shit ton of concrete around. What can we do with concrete? Like that's pretty yeah. freaking awesome. So I think everybody should be using carbon well, concrete. I do, I do too, actually. Well, you know, it's it, to be clear though. So when we first started working on it, the idea was neutral. And then I, I hit neutral really quickly, right? Because concrete production accounts for 8% of the global CO2 emissions. Neutral was very simple. It was just negating 8%. But then I, as one does sometimes, I thought, eh, neutral was easy. How much can I push this thing? So without getting it out of cost uh, parameters and without making it too terribly difficult to do, because the other thing is the adoption rate is going to be so low right. that people won't do it and you won't have any impact. So with that particular thing, what I tried to do was set it up so that they can just ship out one component and replace it with, you know, a different type of mixture and it does the entire process. So in the, in the, in the case of this stuff, it's you eliminate a great deal of the sand and you replace it with another component. And one, sand is running out. And two, the other component sequesters carbon in a, in a much better way. So it ended up being a net negative of 24%. So it eliminates the eight that's positive and then sucks out another 24. That's so, 30%. Yeah. So that's, that's the thing. So you could eliminate almost 32. a third. Yeah. <laughs> you could eliminate almost a third of all the greenhouse gas emissions in a year just by producing all of the new structures that are produced out of carbon negative concrete. Wow. So it's impactful. You know, again, it's just, it's finding ways that, that are right there in front of us. You know, the obvious thing that we can do that everybody's already doing that will move the needle, you know? So that's, I mean, that kind of gets back to the core of really how I'm trying to approach things is, you know, we've got a finite amount of time. And, and actually longevity, I think, was the first thing because personally, there are a lot of things I want to help with, but I think mm-hmm. it's going to take a while to figure all of them out. So the first obstacle was longevity. If I can put time on my own clock, then I can start really working in earnest to try and to try and solve some of these things before I keel over. You know, and, and at the point at which I take it, as as my dad always calls it, lovingly the dirt nap, um, you know, hopefully... I- Hopefully I will have had a very I've never heard positive. that. That is exceptionally great. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's it's pretty good. It is save the fact that he frequently calls me at this point because his health is failing a bit and goes, Well, uh, I'm getting close to the dirt nap. You know, and he really, you know, very much uh, you know, just kind of looking at it very academically and very dryly. He just knows that his own mortality is impending. So he just, you know, he tries to approach it with a bit of levity, I think. But right. uh 
Lovely. Yeah, it, it is. You know, so for me, I put time on the clock by virtue of longevity. And the thing that uh, that hit me the most right when I really started focusing on that as an issue um, was that carbon 60 study that you and I've talked about, the, the one that everybody calls the rat study, the Fathi Musa Bati study um, from Paris. And um, I basically recreated that in my lab. And, and a lot of people, you know, often wonder like, oh, has anybody recreated the study? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. Study. So let's, so for people who don't know about the rat study, cause there's always going to be a few people who don't, sure. um, why don't you tell us, I mean, quickly, I mean, basically this was when they were doing, um, the trials on the rats to find out, okay, we're putting this stuff out into the world. How toxic right. is it? How long will it take? And how much will it take to kill these rats so that we can come up with that yeah. 50, right? Yeah, and exactly. then not only did the rats not like succumb at any reasonable amount, they ended up living, what was it, like 90%, 90, 90% longer? 90 they got tired longer. of feeding the last rat, so they killed it. <laughs> but they, okay, they wanted to publish, I think. It's probably <laughs> more than like, oh my God, we've got this great data. It'll yeah. put us on the map if we publish. Yeah, so they did. They sacrificed the last rat, which is, I, I think, a bit short-sighted, but, you know, yeah. hey, whatever. Yeah. Still kind of an amazing result. I, I don't actually think it would have made it much past the 90% mark. And, there, and the reason I say that is when I did it, I redid the study, but I did it with P53 knockout mice. And um, so what I looked at was I tried to find um, the, the most short uh, lifespan that I could to kind of do a really comparative analysis. Right. So P53 they used whisker rats, right? Yeah, they used whisker rats, right. That, and so that that, those sense. will live two and a half yeah. years. And if you double it, you got five years of rat time on your hands. So I wasn't I wasn't really wanting to go down the very path of having that much rat time on my hands. Yeah. So I, uh, I opted for P53 knockouts. And because those are what people generally call cancer, cancer mice, you know, okay. or cancer rats. So in this case, I used P53 knockout mice. Um, and so their, their lifespan, they have an incredibly well-defined mortality curve because so many people use them for oncology research. And what I found was that the type I used were the, the homozygous. So it was the knockout, knockout, negative, negative uh, homozygous, which had the shortest lifespan. And they should have only lived about six months. Well, they ended up living 93% longer on average wow. than they were supposed to. And what led me to item number two on my list was uh, not only did they live 93% longer, P53 knockout is, that's your tumor suppressor is the P53 gene. Yeah. So when you have a P53 knockout, there's no tumor suppression. So the reason you use them for oncology research is because they, they spontaneously develop tumors, right? So you get all this idiopathic tumor formation, which is, you know, the, the fancy sciencey way of saying that the tumors just present ra randomly throughout the body of their own spontaneous origin. And so when you have no suppression, you just ex expect that they're going to present with tumors all over. And they're the ones that end up with bulbous growths, you know, uh, all the, all over their body. And it's very okay. kind of an, an unfortunate lot in life to be born as a cancer rat. Um, but mine, they didn't end up with tumors and it was very peculiar. So the, the first one that died, I opened it up and did a necropsy on it and I couldn't find anything. It, it obviously died of a femoral hemorrhage. There was maybe what appeared to be a little mass of something, but very, very tiny. And I thought, you know, I don't do this every day. So I'm going to send it off to a veterinary pathologist. So when the next rat in the cohort died and then the next and the next and the next, I kept sending them off for vet pathology and none of them came back with any conclusive masses. And it was very odd to me that 
mice that were designed to have tumors didn't mm -hmm. have any tumors. So that kind of led me down an entirely different avenue in looking at using using the, the negation of, of some components of cellular biology as a trigger to knock out metastatic spread of cancer. And, and yeah. really, it's actually, it's pretty fundamentally simple because uh, Johns Hopkins released a paper showing that the cancer uses interleukin-6 and interleukin-8 to promote metastasis. So it basically, it very brilliantly co-ops your own immune system to signal its spread. You know, yeah. who knew? Nature. Give it time and it'll figure things out. Uh, and then, yeah, and then another university in Spain uh, simultaneously released a big paper showing that uh, in order for cancer to propagate, the mitochondria can't be killed. They have to just be dysregulated. There's a very narrow bandwidth, oh, yeah, 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 which yeah, yeah. correlates with sure. the Warburg effect, right? Because yeah. it's a glycolytic response. So you you eliminate oxidative phosphorylation. So you're, you're knocking out the next 34 units of ATP you get, and you're just basically stuck in two units of glycolysis or two units of ATP from glycolysis. And so it was very similar. But the, the serum that I put together after seeing that knocks out both of those components. So it drops cytokine responses and then suppresses the, uh, the ability of the stuff to spread, but it also upregulates ATP production of the mitochondria beyond the threshold where cancer can actually propagate. So, wow. so it's, yeah, pretty so handy. I have a question. So did the, did the mice get C6? So this was full, my full yeah. buckyball bucky fullerene. So they were, they were yeah. getting C60. Were they getting it for their whole life? Like, did you keep giving it to them their no. whole lives? Because that's, that's another thing that people miss in that other trial is. Yeah. Is that they, they only got it, for a it the whole time. It was only part of their lives. Right. So how long yeah. did you give them the carbon 60? So I started um, two months in. So which would, you know, be effectively probably for an average lifespan would have been akin to giving it to somebody at about 26 to 28, Yeah, you know, so starting it at that age. And then I did dose them for the remainder of their life. So okay. I didn't, yeah, the body study, they, uh, and that's B-A-A-T-I for anyone who wants to look it up. Um, in the body study, they didn't do that. Uh, they just gave it for a, a narrow window. I think it's seven the months or something. Yeah. And then the effects, exactly. And then the effects continued throughout their lifespan. So I think what happened there, kind of looking at it retroactively, since I did one, they did one and, and another group did one actually, but, but they found, and this was recent, they, they found that um, it promoted tumorigenesis, right? So they were getting tumor growth, but right now, the interesting thing about that, I, I personally think that they were perhaps a bit off in some of their methodology, because it's really easy to squirrel C60 if you have any sort of light exposure at the wrong frequencies, because as much as it's a very profound antioxidant, it's also a very profound oxidant, and it will pump out singlet oxygen like nobody's business if you hit it with the right frequency of light. So when you're, when you're prepping it and making it, if you don't have the right environment, it's very easy to pump out all sorts of negative stuff and crack the oils that you're binding it to, right? So if you, mm. if you fractionate the lipids just by virtue of breaking them into smaller chains, sometimes you end up with you know, lipid peroxidation byproducts that are really bad. Like it would be effectively like taking rancid oil you know, nice. and, and ingesting that uh, on a consistent basis. Um, and, I, and I don't think that's a good approach. Incidentally, oh. the same group that, that did that also tried to license my patents for cancer technology for, for, the, uh, for the C60. So I, even though their results were you know, uh, seemingly detrimental and, and negative, they still seem to be somewhat interested. So you know, 
Interesting. And so that methodology isn't published, like what they, where they got their C60 or how they produced it. Cause I, you can make your own, I guess, but. No, they, they actually, yeah, it's, it's listed and I've read the paper it's listed in their materials and methods. So, I mean, they, they talk about how they did it, but again, it's all the things that you don't pay attention to that get you, you know, what's your light exposure. You know, I mean, if you really want to be a nerd about it, you can look at the frequency response. Do you make it in a space where you only have red lights? Do you make it in a space where, you know, you're getting so many joules per, you know, square centimeter of exposure to photons? Like you can, you can really drill down and kind of nerd out about it. Um, but you, it, once you know what you're doing, it's not that difficult, but the process of knowing what you're doing takes a little while. And unfortunately there's, there's not a tremendous amount of available literature on it. So it really is kind of, you know, you have to try and figure it out. I'm lucky because I have, you know, a great lab with access to pretty much every spectroscopic and analytic tool you could want. Mm -hmm. And so I could, I could do this stuff and test it and say, oh, well, this is, this is out of spec. This is out of parameters. We cracked this. We didn't crack that. And a lot of it, sometimes I don't even drill down and do, you know, HPLC. I'll just do quick stuff with UV biz because I can do a really rapid analysis and you can see if things are really greatly out of the parameters. And then once you've figured out kind of the ballpark of how to approach it, you drill down and then you do like a GCMS or HPLC analysis. And then you can see exactly what you're doing. But if you don't have access to really, you know, great lab equipment, eh, probably better off to just, you know, buy your stuff from somebody. I was say, buy it from someone who does. <laughs> yeah, and there, and, and there are a lot of good companies. You know, there's a, a, my old company, C360. Um, there's SES Research. Uh, there's the guys at Purple Power. I mean, there are a whole lot of people that are producing just straight up C60. Granted, they, they all do it in different lipids, but but I know that those people know that they, they, they actually know the process and know what they're doing. And I've seen, you know, how they do it. So um, I would, if I were dealing with C60, I would buy it from the guys who actually do it <laughs> Yeah, know, cons- no, that sounds consistently. Good. All right. So seeing as we're talking about C60, why don't we talk, why don't we start with our comment? Cause we were going to talk about two things today. We're going to talk about biocharged and we're going to talk about neural RX, which is one of the wizard sciences, mm-hmm. newer products, I think, is it new? Yeah, it's actually, it's the only product I've released. So oh. <laughs> it's, Yeah. And it, well, it's so well, wait, wait, you was, released biocharge? No. Yeah, I did. But through through a separate separate company altogether. So oh, this I is, see. yeah. So you'd actually go to biocharge.co to find the biocharge stuff and wizardsciences.com to find that. And, they, and they're they're two different approaches. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, both both handle oxidation, <laughs> some some in a proactive sense and some in a reactive sense. So, um the the neural rx basically the idea there is to i use c60 as a backbone mixed with caprylic acid so the c8 fraction of an mct just because you know brain octane oil basically so it's very very potent um and the reason for that was i wanted something that would fractionate into ketones and carry the other components where i wanted them in the body because that's that's kind of the nifty thing with c60 is it's a great molecule, but you really have to look at what lipid are you binding it to because your body processes different lipids different ways, right? Certain fats get utilized in different areas of your body. So in that case, I wanted something that would take effect neurally. So I bound everything to C8 because I know I can get it fractionated in the liver and then transport up to the brain and, and drop a lot of C60 there. But it's also got NMN, CoQ10, PQQ, resveratrol, serapeptase, right? And, and all of those were 
for very specific reasons. What I was, what I was shooting for is I was looking for something that would upregulate mitochondrial performance, stimulate new neurogenesis, um, which, you know, and it, it actually will outpace BDNF and NGF1 by a factor of like two to two to three or, you know, two to three to one. So it's, it's pretty handy because every day you pump out new neurons yeah. then your body does this synaptic pruning because neurons are incredibly energy dense. They're very consumptive of resources. So when your body senses something and says, oh God, you know, I'm going to have to send so many resources to it, unless you actually need it, it prunes it and gets rid of it because it's, yeah, exactly. It's less efficient and it's always recalibrating every day to try and be more and more efficient. So Actually, on the case of this as a quick aside, when, when people start taking their LRX, what I always tell them is, in the second or third week, start learning something. Do juggling, yeah. do yeah, dual in-back training, or learn a new language, learn a new instrument, you know, do slack lines, do something that really pushes yourself cognitively, because when you're under cognitive load, those neurons will actually cement themselves into place, and you'll end up with more neuronal density, as, as opposed to your body body just pruning them off for efficiency. Um, so the, the other components, you know, NMN and resveratrol in a two to one ratio always upregulates mitochondria. So you end up with higher ATP production uh, on, on the back end. So you're upping the, the production side and then C60 drops oxidative stress load. So you end up with actually more things moving through the chain. So it in and of itself uh, upregulates ATP, but by virtue of negating loss. So what I wanted to do here was add one thing that that pumps up the up cycle, add another thing that negates the down cycle. So you end up with a much greater ATP output in, in your, uh, your mitochondria there. So and you're, then, sorry, you're, you're, you're addressing the uptake in ROS basically from yeah. the reactive oxygen speed. So yeah. So yeah, the downside exactly. of producing more ATP yeah. is you're going to produce more reactive oxygen species. And so you're basically saying, okay, well, I don't want to leave you with all that on hand. Right. So, yeah. so you mix it. Yeah. You yeah. mix it. So, you, you balance that out. So it, it not only, you know, does it take care of just the normal reactive oxygen species production that would be happening, it'll eliminate more. So as you upregulate the cycle and you have more load on it, you yeah. need something to counterbalance that. And then, you know, CoQ10 to help the same thing with the ETC, the electron transport chain, you just want to upregulate certain components in the cycle. And then uh, PQQ, that was because I, I kind of, I did an experiment to see how far I could push the output and at a certain point, you end up popping the mitochondria, right? You get so much electron potentiation that they pop like popcorn. You just that's not so up. good. No, and that's not so good. So I obviously drop that down. You know, when you're figuring something out, I, I approach it sometimes where I try and discern what, what are the parameters, like where, where are the limits of this thing? Right. And so on the one end, you have, you know, mitochondrial death <laughs> via, via too much electron potentiation. Um, which is not a good thing. Uh, yeah. So yeah, so I downregulated that obviously, but then I thought, well, if you've got this huge uptick in potential energy by virtue of a supplement, um, then you can either have it all these mitochondria kind of redlined at the peak capacity, or you can simply stim stimulate mitochondrial biogenesis. And once you have a lot of mitochondria, you know, you upregulate the number of mitochondria, hence the PQQ. Yeah. Then you're spreading the load. You know, it's kind of like I always jokingly tell the guys in the lab that, you know, it's like a, a Ford Fiesta. You can get it to 600 horsepower if, you know, you put nitrous <laughs> oxide, but it's going to blow the motor. Or you can just use a very nice Maybach V12 and completely distribute the load there and, you, you know, get the same horsepower. So I decided to kind of upregulate, you know, 
keep the, the metaphor to upregulate the cylinder count. So just by adding more mitochondria. And so it, it distributes the load. So you're not running at a red line all the time. And then the other component, serapeptase, um, goes in so that it can actually, yeah, it's a proteolytic enzyme. It's the yeah. So that was an interesting one. I'm curious about that. Well, so when you start upregulating energy production in your brain, um, your, your brain has all sorts of byproducts that come off and you need to clean the system. And the way you actually clean your brain is with the glymphatic system, right? So it, it triggers at night and it uses cerebral spinal fluid and washes your brain, but it does it at night. So I wanted something that would break down the aggregate proteins and plaques that always form. You know, I mean, we're, we're constantly exposed to toxins and stresses sure. and your brain, your brain reacts just like your, you know, your, your fat around your midsection generally is because people ingest too many things that change their pH balance. And so the body sequesters those things in, in fat basically. And in your brain, it sequesters it in plaques and amyloid beta plaques and tau proteins, right? So when you're under load um, from some sort of stressor, environmental stressor. So knowing that those things are built up and starting to form aggregates and will start to impinge neural processes, uh, I needed something that would bypass the blood-brain barrier and get in and start breaking down the actual plaque buildup and making it small enough components that it could get taken out in the glymphatic system when the glymphatic system is stimulated because you, you now have all this new energy production going right. on. And so it goes in, breaks the components down, and then during the night when you're sleeping, your glymphatic system is stimulated because you have more energy. There's less of an impediment there, and, and you start to flow out all of the toxin buildup. And so you're just fundamentally making things flow better. And then the, the last component was for areas where you have some sort of impediment because you have those aggregate plaques. Uh, the idea was to change how the neurons actually formed and to change the morphology. So normally, you, you know, you've got your neuronal body at the center and then you have a long span of the axon going out to the dendrite at the end. Yeah. Well, the morphology, the, the new neurons from this are, are different. And so their, their axonal span is two to three times longer than a normal neuron. So it's uh, And this is a good thing? Yeah, it is because I, I kind of think of it as a patch cord because if you're trying to, you know, right. you're trying to transmit a signal along electrochemically, right? So you've got either electrical or electrochemical transmission through the neurons. And the idea is kind of, I joke that it's, it's kind of like those old patch cord operators, you know, like Pennsylvania 352, where they just, you know, they stab it in at in one the, point. In the marvelous times. Mrs. Maisel, that job that she has in the basement exactly. of the store. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Right. So that's kind of what it's doing. And so if you're trying to get a signal around and you can't get through, well, then, you know, if you have these extra long neurons that have a long dendritic span or, or long axonal span, uh, then you can then you can get the signal through. And so that's that was kind of this one of the little sort of special sauce things that I thought would be kind of interesting to do. So it makes extra long neurons anywhere or just when it's when it's in an area that needs repair? Um, you know, you I don't know? know. I don't. I don't know yet. Uh, okay. And that's, that's one of the things that I'm kind of trying to figure out is, you know, it's uh, sort of hot off the presses and I, it, I take it myself quite frequently and I, I like it and I'm constantly trying to learn new things uh, because of that. One of which the last one was kind of funny. It was, uh, it was wrapping, which is sort of wrapping exactly, as in not Christmas wrapping, wrapping as no, in like that. Wrapping is in, yeah. If, Hop on, yeah, hop on my Instagram page. Uh, oh, it's wow. at Ian Mitchell one. My daughter recorded this because she, uh, she put it, she said, 
begrudgingly, I have to respect the trip, which is, I think, the new, the new way of saying it was very good. And I'm really upset that it was very good. Oh, my God. <laughs> you were supposed to be getting yeah. embarrassed here, Dad, not showing me up. Yeah. Well, it, you know, the thing was, I I realized that it was just something new. Right. And so if you have to put your brain under cognitive load, you have to do new things. And so I thought, yeah. well, you know, verbal acuity at a really hastened pace would would trigger that, you know, because I've never done that. And it was, it was, uh, it was surprisingly difficult. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, it was, it was a new thing to learn. So. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that because I know there's a, there's a peptide called dihexa, which is supposed to increase, do a lot of the, well, I don't know about a lot of the similar things, but it's supposed to help with neurogenesis and create new mm -hmm. neural pathways. But definitely when people talk about using dihexa, it comes with a caveat of you need to learn, be, learn something new, yeah. the exact same thing, like either learn how to ballroom dance or learn a new language or learn a musical instrument, like something, which, which is interesting because you could argue regardless, as we age, we better keep learning new stuff because if we want to keep this brain lubed and moving and, and functioning properly, <laughs> Right? Yeah, neuroplastic as opposed to crystalline. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I've got this great diamond in my head. It doesn't work very well. <laughs> it looks good. Um, <laughs> but um, but it, but that's such an interesting concept. But anyway, we should be learning this stuff. But but that these compounds now, like the neural RX, can actually help to. I'm guessing it's going to help to speed up the learning and cement the learning in a good way. Um, yeah, but sure I have a question to be the case, but I have a question for you. So if you're learning a new language versus learning a new physical skill, so then it's the, it's the, it's the language center. That's going to get the benefit, the biggest bang for the buck where, yeah. versus and your motor skills, for example. So maybe you want to do two things. Maybe you want to learn to speak a new language or play an instrument while you're learning a new physical skill. <laughs> Well, you know, interestingly, your question, and, you know, and I'll be completely brutally honest about it, I don't know the answer. However, I would say that the body being as brilliantly adaptive as it is, yeah. where it senses a load, it's going to utilize resources, right? Yeah. So it, you know, it's always trying to reach some sort of beneficial homeostasis. And so my hunch is, and I, and I could be wrong, and if, and if I am, I'll, I'll let you know, but my hunch is that when you put yourself under a physical cognitive or, you know, kind of a, a physical load that has a cognitive benefit, um, like trying to juggle or something like that, you're, you're naturally going to stimulate that particular part of the cortices and your body's going to respond by sending the stuff there where it potentially needs to have new neurons and new mm -hmm. growth and more energy. Uh, I just, I'm a firm believer that the body is more capable and adaptive oh, yeah. than we can begin to scratch the surface on that's again, that's why I like, you know, bioregenerative peptides is because you just give it the signal and kind of get out of the way and let yeah. it do its thing. Same thing with C60. You, you drop out a lot of the oxidative load, you get the body energy and it does its job, right? You know, there's not a whole lot of mystery to it. Yeah. So I have another question for you. So a lot of the ingredients in this neural RX also, you could argue might have a bit of an affinity for cardiac muscle. One could argue that. Yeah. Yeah. And one, and, one CoQ10, even, even the C8, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. And, and I think really the, the affinity there, it's kind of like, uh, well, and you could also argue the same thing 
thing uh, for visual and yeah. ocular things. Right. Um, and, and I think the, the reason for that actually has to do with a propensity for those areas to have a heightened mitochondrial density. Right. So it's not just that it correlates because, you know, it's your heart. Your heart has 5,000 mitochondria per cell, followed by your brain, followed by your eyes in a guy. And in a woman, it's your your ovaries, then your heart, then your brain, then your eyes. And no kidding. Order. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Your ovaries are actually tremendously mitochondrially dense. I, I think it's 100,000 per cell, uh, it's, which is by far and away far more than any other component in, in our physiology. And even after, does that stay true even after menopause or do you think that's premenopause or do you not know? I think that's premenopausal. Yeah. I would think so too, I, I, because the body's not going to direct that much energy to something sure. it doesn't perceive it needs anymore. Right. And, and having, having rolled quite a few people out of menopause by virtue of some of the supplements that I've made. Um, yeah. Which I thought was as a guy, I thought, Ooh, you're, you're, you know, you're markedly yeah. de-aging. That's a great win. I, surprisingly, I was met with a bit of uh, disdain and reluctance. <laughs> really? Because I think they are being very short-sighted. If we think about the, if we think about the downstream effects of menopause, like skin, brain, like all of these things start to go downhill. I don't know. You can right. send me some of that stuff. I'm down. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I will actually. Yeah. And it, it's again, I kind of felt bad. Like I was championing it. Like, oh, this is great. You know, this when they called awesome. and talked yeah. to me. Yeah. And, and literally every single time it happened, I, there was a bit of resistance. I was kind of surprised because I thought, well, this is perfect. This means we've actually rolled you back. You know, the clock has rolled back. Woo. Go team. Um, <laughs> and they're like, what? I have I to deal with birth control again. No, I don't want birth control. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Apparently there's some downsides to it of which I was not terribly familiar. So, you know, <laughs> suppose you can't be all things to all people. And since I lacked that particular bit of the plumbing, I, I wasn't really keeping it at the forefront of my mind. So, yeah. All right. Well, that's, that's very interesting. Okay. So we're talking about neural RX. So what have, how long has it been out and how many people have you gifted with it? Like, I mean, how many people have used it? What have you seen? You um, yourself like so, it, which is awesome, but yeah. your brain's already going about 10 times the speed <laughs> of anybody else's. So you don't count. Um, Who else? A lot of people just, you know, I, surprisingly, so many people have, have looked at it. I think we've had, you know, on a platform that I didn't really know much about, TikTok, um, <laughs> which I thought was for, for dancing videos. Um, someone posted their, they chronicled their experience using the neural RX on TikTok, and it's had with all the videos they've done, it's had close to a million views, which was wow. kind of surprising. Yeah. And I think, I think so far about a thousand people have taken it and, um, so far it's great. I mean, everybody has the same basic reaction. I've had a couple of people, I actually spoke to someone this week who said, you know, I had heard about it from, uh, Molly Maloof, who's a, a doctor that runs yeah. the, uh, psychedelic news hour on clubhouse and yeah. Molly had taken it and she, it worked exactly as it's supposed to. So she had recommended it to a couple of people and posted about it. And I, one of them said, Oh, it didn't work for me. And so I, I called him <laughs> because I'm always curious, like, sure. where was I in this? You know, where did hey. I go wrong here? So I called him and we spoke and, and actually he hadn't shaken the product. So, and, and unless you resuspend the components, um, it's difficult. Well, that was the, that was the first part. And then the second part was his metabolic profile was a little different. And because of his accelerated metabolic rate, he just needed to up the, the amount a right. little bit. 
Right. And, and he was also, because of some other conditions, sort of suppressed on the cellular level systemically. So he really needed some other components because you can't just address something like your brain and say, oh, I'm going to just address my brain. If the rest of your physiology is dying on the vine, your body's going to prioritize what needs it the most yeah. rather than sending it to the, that first. So I've actually been looking towards physically fixing him up a little bit so he can actually get the experience because when Lucky I guy. get, well, when I see somebody it's, it's, you know, I mean, I do all this stuff because I really genuinely want to help. And when yeah. I see somebody who's not getting the benefit, I want to know why, you know, is there something, because sometimes you pick out the best bits of data from the outliers, you know, yeah. if it, if it's sure the, do. yeah, because you know, when it works incredibly well, why, when it doesn't work well, why? And mm -hmm. as soon as you start to dial it in and, and you're able to assess that and then address it, then you can actually come up with something that's going to benefit a whole host of people. Mm -hmm. And admittedly, there are always outliers, right? So you, you look for those okay. statistical anomalies and they're always going to be there. But I just kind of figure like when I hear something like that and I can actually find the person, I find the person because I, I want to know. Yeah. So, um, so let, we're going to finish on this one because we're going to move on to our next topic because we don't have a huge amount of time today. But um, so when somebody starts taking the neural RX, mm -hmm. typically, so again, it's going to vary from person to person, obviously, but yeah. how long before they might experience benefits and what might what might they, and now again, like re going back to the idea of right. to get the most benefit from it, you want to be learning something new so that you're giving your brain something to work for kind of thing yeah. and use all its new superpowers for. But typically if I'm just Joe Blow and I'm going to start using neural RX, do I take it all the time every day indefinitely? Do I take it in waves? When, how long before I might feel some benefits and what might I feel like someone with brain fog, for example, might it break through the fro fog and the frog? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, yes. Uh, yes. It will break through the brain fog. So it, it depends it, because it's in an MCT base, right? Caprylic acid. You, you have a, a pretty hefty gastric response if you're not used to taking it, if you're used to taking it and you can, you know, do two teaspoons, you'll notice it immediately. Well, see, I mean, it's not too bad minutes. though. It, it's still for people who have never done any MCTs. It's a little bit of a transition. Really? Okay. So yeah. start, start so, low guys, build up. Yeah. yeah. And so I always tell people start with a teaspoon. So with a teaspoon, it usually takes a couple of days. If they can do two teaspoons, they'll notice it instantly. If mm. you do a tablespoon, it's like rocket fuel. And that's wow. uh, it, it. And it's literally just, I don't know, 30 minutes, maybe. Um, within the first, yeah, within the first couple of hours, your perspective is entirely different, but it's one of those things that you want it to cumulatively build up in your system. So over the span of the first few days, pretty much everyone notices a difference. I, I mean, it's, unless there's some sort of physical impediment yeah. to it, yeah, yeah. You, you'll feel it and you'll feel it very quickly. Nice. So, Love it. Yeah, just, just roll on slow so that you don't overload your system. Okay. And so is it a seven day a week product? Do you think people should use it um, in waves? Yeah, I, Is it? No, I actually, I use it all the time pretty much because I like keeping a baseline and also environmental stressors are hitting your brain every yeah. day. So yeah. if you can do something to kind of just help your body negate that, you, you'll slow down the pace by which you're sort of falling off and degrading. And so that that's, that's why I'd recommend that one for everyday use. Also there's, there's, 
a much lower concentration of, you know, like C60 in it, just because you can't actually get that much to bind in caprylic acid. So right. the concentration is very low. So it's not going to have any, and, and that actually having looked at it for years now, it doesn't appear to have any detrimental impact, but just on the off chance that there were potentially a buildup, the buildup would be so incredibly slow that it, it really wouldn't, wouldn't matter. But I don't recommend people do a large dose of it with, the, you know, what we jokingly call the wizard dose, uh, <laughs> which is the tablespoon because 15 mils, unless you're really doing something that's academically or mentally rigorous that particular day, you know, if you're trying to cut, crunch through a term paper or you've got a final, yeah, knock yourself out. Um, but otherwise you don't need that much neural potentiation because it upregulates the potentiation, just kind of like using a TDCS or something like that. And so you, you wouldn't want to do that on a consistent basis. Okay, well, this is amazing. And we ended up talking about this a lot longer than I thought we were going to talk about it, which I should have known. I mean, frankly, I think we talked for about almost an hour before we even started recording. Before we even started, yeah. We do have a chatty <laughs> Cathy potentiating effect on each other. Yes, so, we do. So, so, yeah, and thank you for the tips on the peptides, by the way. That was epic. I will, I will be using those today. Any day, anytime. Okay, so here's what we're going to do, folks. Uh, you've got the goods on Neural RX. You can get it at wizardsciences.com and you can save 10% with mm -hmm. promo code BIONAT10. And our other topics, which are equally fascinating, we were going to talk, we are also going to talk about biocharged and we're going to answer a lot of the questions that people have asked me because this product's been yeah. out for a little while and there've been a lot of questions about it. So we're going to answer those questions in the next episode. And we're also going to talk about Ian's other new product, which is uh, mystery. Um, does it have a name? Yeah. Hair science system. Yeah. Hair science system, which um, not only will give you beautiful, glossy, amazing locks, but it's going to make, make it grow where maybe it stopped growing sort of. So yeah, that's, that's how it. it works. So that's what we so got. That's it. Yes. Parting words, Ian, for the uh, audience, or are we just cutting it off and you got to jump? <laughs> no, I, I love you guys. Thanks for, uh, thanks for listening. Yeah. And thanks for being here. And thank you so much for being here today. Ian. I really appreciate it. Yeah, and no, it, it's always a pleasure. And so uh, perhaps the part two may be live. Yeah, so we're talking about doing a live episode at the Upgraded Labs conference in September. I think it's yes. September 16th to 19th. Yeah. And uh, we're both going to be there. So I yeah. think we're going to go live. We're going to go, I don't know, we're going to go outside somewhere and hang out. And That's fantastic, yeah. <laughs> and, and first we're going to chug some Neural RX. So. <laughs> yeah, and I will, uh, yeah, I, I, I will partake of that every day. So I'm happy to do it. We can... We can down. We can put it in champagne glasses and go to town. Okay, this is this is sounding better and better, guys. Okay, thank you so All right, much. Cool beans. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave us a five star review on iTunes because that's what helps us to be heard and to be seen. If you'd like to connect with me directly, or if you'd like to leave any comments, or if you have any questions about this episode please reach out to me directly through my website, natnidham.com. And of course, if you're not already a member of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Community on Facebook, that's where you'll find me every day. It's a short application. Just answer a couple of questions and you're in and interfacing with other amazing biohackers. 
Thanks again. And we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode.